Hey, 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 it's your friend Mayor K wishing you a great day and welcome to the Great Day Podcast. I am super excited for today's guest. I took on her challenge, her program. She is Melissa Urban. She is the CEO, co-founder of Whole30. I just completed my first Whole30 cycle and it was challenging, yes, and it was so, so worth it. It was incredible. Going off sugar, glutens, dairy changed my life truly. And it's such an honor and a privilege to have Melissa, who is the mastermind behind this program, uh, to sit down with her. We chatted about Whole30. We chatted about her own personal journey through her own triumphs. Her own. She shared so vulnerably about her challenges growing up in her teens and early 20s. Uh, but that led her to become the person that she is today and to be able to be in this position of, of transforming millions of people's lives. Of course, we, hit, we kick off this program this conversation about discussing what's happening in the world today. Uh, we, ch- we, we actually spoke about having this podcast take place uh, weeks ago uh, due to different things that was pushed off and then the world uh, just really opened up and had it, started having these conversations around Black Lives Matter, uh, of course, uh, since the death, uh, the untimely death, the brutal death of George Floyd. So we kick off the conversation with Talking about what's going on in the world uh, now, and uh, then we lean into uh, Melissa's journey, and of course, a bit more of Whole Thirty. What's it all about, and how you can trans- transform your own eating habits um, and have live a healthier life. Okie dokie, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, kids, kids at heart. Sit back, relax, or, or do whatever you're doing. Work out, go for a run, <laughs> and enjoy this great day podcast. Hey, Melissa, thank you so much for joining the Great Day Podcast um, and uh, making the time to hang out with me today. Mayor, you thank you so much. I'm wonderful. Thanks for having me on. It's great to chat with you. Awesome. Awesome. I, I actually feel it's my second day doing the whole 30 round. So I've, I've done, actually completed my first whole 30. I felt amazing. I felt great. And then I started, I went down that rabbit hole, was trying that one cookie and then all my old habits came back and I'm seeing some disappointment and you're, you're some compassion disappointment on your face. And that lasted for about 10 days. And uh, anyways, it caught up with me. I'm like, what am I doing? I'm feeling terrible. I'm getting bloated. I'm feeling like I'm getting tired during the day. I took it for granted these past, like the past two weeks before that, how much energy I had during the day. And then I started feeling that fatigue coming back. And I'm like, okay, I don't want this anymore. I want the tiger mm-hmm. blood. And so I'm yeah. doing it all. Good. Well, we can absolutely talk about why you may have kind of slid back into like cookie land and how with this next Whole30, you might be able to um, follow kind of the the trajectory that we have planned in order to learn the most you possibly can from the experiment. Definitely. I, I, I love to delve deeply, more deeply into the Whole30 world and of course your process, how you got there and your personal life, which I find so incredibly courageous and powerful. Um, but before we do, um, it would just be, we, we, I don't think we could move forward into that conversation before shedding some light and just having a little chat about what's happening right now in the world. I mean, today is June 3rd, May 25th, just, you know, nine days, nine days ago, um, George Floyd, uh, was murdered by a cop and, uh, and that obviously has brought up a, a massive uproar protesting, a dialogue has formed that uh, hasn't happened in some time and quite important for the world to get involved with. Me personally, I just, um, I'd love to hear your thoughts about where you stand and perhaps where your company stands. Um, but I, for myself, I'm learning, I'm listening. I, I, I thought I knew a lot. I realized how much I don't know and uh, how much, I think how much, 
how I have to become more humble in the conversation when it comes to topics um, around race discrimination and uh, and such. But I mean, what's what's going on with you, and how are you how are you tackling this, and how's it how's it coming for you? Yeah, first I want to say thank you so much for being receptive to the idea that we open the conversation with this discussion. We've had this interview planned for weeks now, yes. not knowing, of course, the climate that we would be in. And when we chatted this morning as a little reminder, I'm so glad that you were so open and willing and wanting to bring this up. I mean, when Absolutely. I founded Whole30 11 years ago, my intention was that the Whole30 would be available to absolutely anyone who wanted to do the program. And we made the program free and we created a ton of free, you know, free resources for it. And, and over the years, I came to realize that that is not the only barrier to entry for people who want to do the Whole30. Representation matters so much. People want to see themselves in their community. They want to see themselves reflected. They want to feel valued. They want to feel heard. They want to feel understood. Several years ago, we decided or, or were called in by our community to be more accurate to start learning more about diversity, equity, inclusion, representation. We began doing our own work and quickly realized in part because the impact of our good intentions was not being felt in the community the way we hoped, we quickly realized that we really needed guidance and leadership in this area. So a year ago, we brought on a full-time director of diversity, inclusion, and equity. She's now our director of people and culture. Her name is Dr. Carrie Coley, and wow. she has really been leading us forward in terms of our DEI initiatives on behalf of the community. And this week, we have taken a very clear stand specifically for the idea that Black Lives Matter, that it is time to stand against the injustices that our system of systemic racism has brought to our community and the larger community in the United States. We have muted our own content this week in order to amplify Black voices and Black stories. And we will continue to do this work that we've been doing with Dr. Coley for the last year on all of our channels across all of our disciplines. So, you know, we can't really talk about Whole30 without talking about the intention of ensuring that everyone who does this program and who wants to be seen and heard and recognized in our community feels that way. And we can't do that work without very directly and clearly addressing what's going on in, in our um, system today, in our political crisis, in our social justice crisis, on top of what's happening with the pandemic crisis. Yeah. Oh man, 2020 has been a, a pretty rough start to say the <laughs> least. Um, and if someone's hitting their second week right now of sugar withdrawal, I'm sure it doesn't make it any easier. Yeah, um, yes. But it, has the doctor, has she explained um, how, how does one go about perhaps um, like starting conversation with people who um, maybe more, you know, who may not know, or a bit more resist, uh, you know, resistful towards what's going on, or have different ideas. Um, where's a good place to start? Because it can be very overwhelming. I know for myself, social media in general can be overwhelming. Now, especially now with what's going on, with all the different viewpoints and and so much chaos that's taking place. How does one navigate in that space? Yeah, it really starts with educating yourself and learning. As a white person, it's incredibly uncomfortable to delve into topics like white privilege, the idea of racism as a system that we are all upholding, and the fact that because we are part of this racist system, I, I benefit from it. It can be very, very uncomfortable to challenge this 
kind of dialogue that we have been taught that's been passed down to us for literally centuries now. But a few really good places to start, because before I can have those conversations with you, I have to understand them and, and you know, really Absolutely. go into doing my own work. Um, there is a book by Leila Fassad. Um, she wrote a book called Me and White Supremacy. That is a wonderful place to start because it's part learning and part workbook. So there's an active component to it. I follow Rachel Cargill, who is a wonderful educator, and she has several resources about good places to start. And there's a book by the title White Fragility that really helps to explain this concept of what it means to have white privilege and to feel fragile around some of these conversations. So from a very simple, there are a lot of good where to start resources from black anti-racism educators and, and people of color who are anti-racism educators, but those are great places that I started with my own work. That's incredible. I appreciate that. I believe anybody who's listening to this will be able to look up those resources themselves and to just educate themselves a bit more about what's going on, the other voices that we share this incredible world with. And um, and I, and I believe that it's really not a two-sided, three-sided issue, but it's really just one side. It's just really, we're just one people um, that we just have to learn how to, communication, like any other type of relationship, learn more, ask more, and listen more. Um, and I think, the, you know, what's happened, the climate of the world has really shown, especially here in the U.S., has shown that there's been many, too many blankets pushed off and like the conversation has been eluded for too long. And now it's just like yeah. the, the, the truth and the obvious is right in front of us. We got to delve deeply into that. It is. And I, while the message of like, we're all one and we really need to come together on this is certainly true and important. The conversation we are really having right now is very specifically about black lives and why black lives matter. And so I want to encourage people not to dilute that message by talking about all lives or talking about other, right? Let's keep the conversation very, very focused. I think I mispronounced Layla's name. It's Layla F. Saad. Um, anyway. That those are great places to start. And thank you for being willing great. to have this conversation with me today. Yeah, absolutely. I and absolutely there's 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 so much more to talk about. And um and I, I personally am gonna go and check out the resources that you just shared. Um and I appreciate you taking such a stance. You know, you are you have a voice, you have an incredible platform, and uh and perhaps me people may see and you may have seen or someone in your position may have seen like a time for like, oh, this is not really our issue, like we're food, what's the connection? Uh, but to take really massive steps to uh, to make sure that your company, your mission, it's all in line. You know, it's 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 really commendable and and inspiring. So, thanks, Thank Melissa. You. If, if you are in wellness, as you and I are, this is very clearly our lane. We care about the health and well-being of our community. We want to help people get healthier, and it's very hard for people to focus on health when they are being oppressed by systemic racism. So thank you for being willing to enter into the dialogue with me as well. Thanks, totally. Um, talking about wellness and, and you know, and, and, and growth and all the, the important things of, of a person to this function in this world. Um, I, I, how, in, growing up, and I just, you know, this is some, you know, basic, you know, research, you know, growing up you had, we all have had our challenges and it seemed like you've come across some at a very young age um, 16 being, you know, sexually assaulted by a family member. And then I suppose, and I don't want to, by 19 delving into, um, addiction around drug use, um, who would ever think, and I think many people don't know that side of you, you know, perhaps there's an image now of that, your, you know, health and hiking and, and all of that goodness. 
Um, I think people may not have seen that, you know, that other side to you. And do you feel like that was part of the journey you needed to go through that to be able to produce something like a whole 30 movement, a whole 30 community? Um, was that, was food any interest to you when you were growing up? No, not particularly. That was at that, those experiences of sexual abuse at 16 and then turning to drugs and spending five years as a drug addict and then spending over a year in and out trying to really kind of get a handle on my recovery. Those 100% played into the founding of the Whole30 and the way I, you know, run and support this community now, but it, it wasn't food or health wasn't ever a particular interest of mine. Growing up, we ate pretty healthy according to what my parents thought were healthy at the time. My mom cooked dinner every night. It was a protein of veggie, which was usually like corn or potatoes or peas and, you know, a side of bread or a roll. And we didn't have a ton of junk food, but like, so she did a lot of things right, but you know, we weren't particularly like health conscious. I don't even think I went to the gym there until I was like, wow. Out That's of hard to rehabilitation. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't start my fitness journey until after, but because I had gone through that experience and because after rehab, I recognized very clearly after failing in my recovery once that I really needed to make changes to every single area of my life. If I was going to maintain my recovery, that's when I started looking at what I was eating and looking at, you know, I was, I began exercising. I made a group of like-minded friends who, girlfriends who are also into exercising. I got a new job. I moved. I changed the music I listened to, the clothes I wore. I mean, it was really this total transformation into me becoming what I wanted to become, which was a healthy person with healthy habits. And all of that played into, you know, the creation of the whole 30 uh, several years later. Wow. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's tremendous. I mean, what are the, to, to come from, you know, so, so, from so many incredible challenges, one has to really truly hit a, um, I would say like a bottom of some sort. How does one, how do, how do you continue to like remind yourself? How do you keep motivating yourself? How do you keep pushing yourself? I mean, there, perhaps that may be the bottom, but for someone who's tapping into our conversation now and, and maybe haven't experienced the exact experiences you have, what, how can they perhaps shift their mindset to a growth mindset, which you have, you know, obviously, how does one get out of the, the place of, you know, I can't do it or making excuses, constant excuses or finding, you know, seeing perhaps the world through a pessimistic point of view to change it to an optimistic point of view. How does you one know, I, make that shift? I absolutely love what you just said, because you don't have to hit a bottom in order to make that shift. You don't have to feel like you are at the, in the worst place you have ever been. I don't feel like I actually hit a bottom. When I went to rehab, I was employed. I had the support of friends and family. I was living with a man who was not an addict, who was rather supportive of my mental health challenges. Like, I don't think I was at a bottom. And I think in order to make that change, you just have to recognize that your fear of the unknown, like what's going to happen if I actually decide that I don't want to be stuck where I am today, your fear of the unknown, like you have to recognize that's nowhere near as scary or as terrifying as the hell you are already in. And that hell doesn't necessarily have to be a bottom. It can just be a recognition that I'm not happy. I'm not taking good care of myself. I don't, I'm not where I want to be. I don't see myself as I want to be. Um, and I can't seem to climb out of it. And just the recognition of this behavior isn't serving me and I would like to do something different is absolutely enough to motivate yourself into adopting a growth mindset and making those changes. 
For sure, hundred percent. I, I I totally agree. I, I uh, a friend of mine who's in recovery said that also, <laughs> no matter what bottom you you hit, there's always a trap door. So yeah. um, there's yeah. always something new. So I mean, it, it's I guess it really starts with like rigorous honesty and to really, you know, show up and say, hey, you know, I wanna I wanna really transform my life into something bigger and greater. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's very yeah. true. So um, so take me to you know 2009. Um, you and your, and, and the co-founder, uh, your ex-husband, uh, were in a gym, there were some mints and I think, right. If, correct me if I'm wrong. And there's a, I, mean, I would love for you to paint that picture, but it seems like you have this, this gun home mentality of like, you know, it's all or nothing. And you, in that very moment, you're like, you know what? No more mints. I'm ready to go and, and do this cleanse, uh, uh, and trying these clean foods and try this process of, of what will become whole 30. Yeah. Take what, what, what led to this moment of like, let's, let's do this. I love an interview where the host has obviously done his homework. I am very impressed right down to the thin mint. You, you even remembered the, the thin, thin mint. Absolutely. Sure. So as part of my growth mindset and my commitment to fitness and being a healthy person with healthy habits, I got very into CrossFit. I began, I owned a CrossFit affiliate. I began teaching CrossFit kettlebell certs. I would travel for the gymnastic certs. I wrote for the CrossFit journal. I was very all about it. Wow. And as a result, I became exposed to some ideas, mainly from Rob Wolf, who was running the CrossFit nutrition certifications at the time. He's such an incredible resource for all things nutrition and biochemistry. And he was talking about these foods that have inflammatory factors and that may be problematic in the body, that the science you know, shows that these foods can be problematic. So after a difficult Olympic lifting session one day, my co-founder and I were sitting around. I was eating Thin Mints right out of the sleeve because I had just exercised and I had earned them. And he proposed to me, you know, what if we did this kind of squeaky clean 30-day dietary experiment where we pull a bunch of foods out that, you know, in his research as well, he's been shown to be problematic. Like, what if we pulled those out? What would happen to our fitness, our recovery, our performance in the gym? And the things that made me a really good addict make me very good at habit change. I am black or white, on or off. If you tell me to do something or I decide to do something, I just do it. There's no, I don't need accountability at all. Wow. So I put the thin mints down and I said, yeah, let's do it right now. And that was really the start of the very first Whole30, what was to become the program that we have today. Huge. I mean, and so my question is, what, how did you get to a place of like, you know, it's a very clean diet, so to speak. You're letting go of sugars and grains and, and dairy. But there, were so, there are so many, there were so many at that time, so many diets that, that were in existence. And I know you're not using the word diet, which I'd love to hear why. But um, when it comes to that, like, there was these point systems, there was these other types of foods. How did you, how did you come up with this revolutionary and this new idea of removing sort of these three bodies of food um, and to say, this is, this is going to be our platform. This is going to be our structure. Yeah. So first of all, it wasn't exactly revolutionary in that the whole 30 is based on an elimination diet and elimination diets have been around since the 1920s. Lots of doctors still consider them the gold standard for identifying food sensitivities. So the kind of premise or the foundation of the whole 30 has been around for ages. Second, you know, we looked to the scientific research to tell us which food groups may be the most commonly problematic in terms of things like your cravings, an emotional relationship with food, your blood sugar regulation, digestion, your immune system. But it wasn't until I had the personal self-experience of pulling these foods out for 30 days, 
seeing what changed in terms of my energy, sleep, mood, craving, self-confidence, performance in the gym, digestion, all of these different factors, and then adding them back in as you do with an elimination diet one at a time and comparing my experience that I realized wow, the science said these foods can be problematic. Now I know how they're problematic for me. And that's Mm. really at the crux of the Whole30. Having done one, you know that we're not saying you should eat like this forever. When you hear dietary advice that says, you know, there's no one size fits all and there's no one eating approach that works for everyone, you nod your head and you say, yeah, of course that makes so much sense. Your next question is, how am I supposed to figure out what works for me? And Whole30 is really the answer to that how. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, I, I have the book right here in front of me. And um, it's, it's, it really is amazing because I, I never, it, I don't know what it is. It, is it a motivational book, self-help? Is it a, is it a recipe book? I mean, I think you guys did a really <laughs> incredible job about how you went about, you know, creating this bestseller. And because um, I never in my, in my whole history of my life ever opened up a recipe book in my life. So it really, it, it really is an incredible, um, incredible piece of work. And I mean, and my favorites were just how, you know, cause there were certain days that were getting some, some, you know, it was tough for me or challenging. And there's one of my favorite sections is where you break down the days of like first day, second day, day four and five, day seven. So you really have an incredible research and I, and I do highly recommend anybody who's looking into uh, taking upon himself some sort of new challenge or new way of eating and being to look out for the whole 30 book. Um, do you have a favorite, favorite recipe in the book that, that you, that you love, that you enjoy? We- you're like asking me to pick between my kids. I only have one kid, Ah. so that's easy, but I have eight whole 30 books. So that's a really, really tough one. In the book that you have in your hand, there's a recipe called No Fuss Salmon Cakes that has been on repeat at my house for approximately eight years. Um, It's just- I know my kid loves it. He's seven. It's just a very simple salmon cake recipe that you can use either as like a burger style in a lettuce wrap. You can mix it up like a salmon hash into eggs, but that's one of my favorites for sure. But yeah, you know, like you said, it's a recipe book and that there are a hundred whole 30 recipes. It's also a how to cook book because there's a whole section about just how to cook a chicken breast, how to roast salmon, how to cook vegetables. I've heard from so many people that the whole 30 taught them how to cook. And then the first half is all like your how-to food manual for the Whole30. It's everything you need to know about actually doing the program. So I'm glad you found it helpful because we really wanted that book to be one-stop shopping. Oh, yeah. I learned – I've never cooked more than an egg in, in the kitchen. And here I was. I was making a, my first my own mayonnaise. I was making my own yeah. – <laughs> um, I was making guac, and then I moved on to shepherd's pie and different roast chickens. And it, I feel – I feel – I mean, hashtag adulting. I feel a lot more confident right now in the kitchen. And, yeah. and perhaps we'll tackle dating now and add that to my resume of, like, <laughs> cook. That's it. No, it's, it, it really is amazing. What's what, uh, Let me ask, what's your favorite – what's your favorite cheat food? Or what's your sugary – would you like to go to treat yourself? So um, after a long again, day, you're just asking all the right questions. There's yeah, no cheating, there's no cheating <laughs> after the whole 30. There's no guilty pleasure after the whole 30. I, our philosophy that's in the follow-up book, which is called food freedom forever. And if you don't have that one, I'll send it to you when we get off the phone, but it's all about, you know, once you do the whole 30 and you learn what foods do work for you and what don't, and the impact of certain food choices, you then get to make conscientious, educated decisions about what's worth it and what isn't for the rest of your life. So I eat white rice every single day. It's not whole 30, but when I reintroduced it, I realized how well it worked for me and my active lifestyle. And I love it. And I eat it all the time. Um, Justin's peanut butter cups are a huge favorite of mine. And I would not call that a cheap food. I would call it 
a worth it food and I know exactly how much I can eat and still feel and look exactly as good as I want to feel and look. So I throw them in once in a while and they're great. And I have lots of choices like that, that in the moment, given the circumstances, the fact that I'm with family, the fact that my mom made it, the fact that it's Easter, all of these different circumstances will make any given food worth it on one day and not worth it on the other. And that's the whole premise of me creating my own food freedom. Tremendous. So how does one, because I think that's what happened to me and I'm asking on behalf of myself and perhaps someone who's listening to me, how do you, how do you have that control to go back and say, I mean, which is ultimately you do have that choice. I think what happens over the whole 30 for me, it was, I was able to like realize, wait a second, I have a choice right now to decide something healthy or something that I, I you know I've committed to. But then once the 30 days were, were up uh, and there was, you know, it was like Jewish holiday Shavuos and it's all about cheesecake and like all this dairy product. I, I was like, I'll just try one slice. And before I know it, it's like, you know, it's a three day holiday, a two, three day holiday. And like, I'm back off the bandwagon. So how do you stay in the control? It's Easter or it's, you know, my mom made this. I mean, give it a try and say, you know what, that's enough. Let me go back to, to my lifestyle of, of sticking to the foods that I've committed to. I can almost guarantee I know exactly why that happened to you. When you were done with your 30-day elimination, did you do a very conscientious 10 to 14-day carefully structured reintroduction? Not at all. And again, so I could not be setting this, these questions up better if I were to do it myself. Reintroduction is equally important to your Whole30 experience as the elimination. If you just eliminate and you get all these benefits and your energy is good and your sleep is good, et cetera, and then you don't reintroduce very carefully and systematically when you on day 31 have the ice cream and the bread and the pizza and the beer and whatever, if you wake up feeling like junk the next morning, you're not going to know why. Was it the gluten from the pizza? Was it the dairy from the pizza? Was it the ice cream? Plus, you know, the dairy plus the sugar? Was it the alcohol plus the gluten? You have to go through this very structured reintroduction process so that you know how each of these food groups that you've eliminated actually impact you. And if you're willing to be patient and give it just another two weeks with this reintroducing a food group, going back to the Whole30 for two days until you're done with your reintroduction, now you have a real blueprint for deciding what's worth it and what isn't. And there's no willpower required. When I reintroduced ice cream, it made me feel like there was an alien in my belly. (laughs) It's not hard to say no to ice cream knowing how it impacts me now. And Mm. that's the experience. I think that's what you're missing in not knowing how to answer those. Is it worth it? Do I want it? Questions in your food freedom as you didn't finish the experiment. Correct. Right. I went back to that vagueness of like not knowing the specifics. What, what was so great about it was I, I just knew, you know, dot a line, this is where I am able to go and beyond that, not. And going back into it, I was like, oh, this, this and that. And if, yeah, and you're 100%. Once, once I went off uh, the bandwagon, I just, I went crazy. But hey, it's a process, you know, and, uh, and I'm, I'm excited right now, day two, to, 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 to go through the process once more and then and make sure to do those 14 days afterwards. Does yeah, your, and- does your, yeah. And every time you do it, you will learn more, right? Mm. Every time I've done eight or nine whole thirties at this point, and every, even me, every time I do it, I just finished one in April. I learn a little bit more and I get to answer that question of is it worth it. Do I want it a little bit better? And yes, what triggers have, it for you? I'm sorry. What, yeah, no, no, no. To, to, to go through another cycle. Like what, what, what's that moment for you? It's like, oh, I got to I got to do this. Well, I hadn't done a Whole30 in five years. I hadn't needed one. I was very successfully living my food freedom, balancing. Was it worth it? Was it like everything was good when mm-hmm. the pandemic hit and I was still kind of suffering from some of the symptoms of my concussion. 
uh, the stress of the, my physical illness plus the stress of the pandemic made it really hard for me to navigate those. Is it worth it choices? I was craving sugar under stress. I was having a hard time saying, you know, not eating things I knew weren't worth it. And when we decided to do a big group whole 30 at home, smack in the middle of the pandemic, I decided to join in in part because I felt like I could use a reset, but mostly for the community connection aspect to it, for the fact that I wanted to feel like I was, you know, belonging to something bigger than myself in this really difficult, stressful time. So, and that's exactly what I got out of it. It was such a a connecting experience and it was so good for me to feel like I was, you know, had something else to focus on, that I was laying the foundation for things like stress resilience in this difficult time. Um, I'm really glad I did it. Wow, tremendous. I mean, I, I can't brush over by saying concussion. I hope, I mean, you seem okay. Hope you're okay. Okay. Great. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's been a journey. Um, it, yeah, it's definitely been a journey. Uh, but yes, I am feeling much better now. In fact, that's why we had to kind of postpone this interview for a little while is because I wasn't quite up for the, the uh, screen yeah. time. But yeah, feeling much better. Thanks. I'm glad to hear that. And you look great. So I'm happy, to, happy for you. Um, does your son have this, does, does he, has he done a whole 30? I mean, he's seven years old, like you mentioned, right? Like, is, that, is there a too young of an age to try to introduce this lifestyle? So he hasn't done a formal whole 30, but he also just kind of eats the way that I eat. Like he hasn't mm-hmm. done a formal whole 30, but um, what were we talking about the other day? Oh, he asked for an ice cream cone the other day. He had never had, he's literally never had an ice cream cone. He may have only had ice cream like once in his life. And he has, you know, wow. he has other things. He really enjoys eating things like seaweed and olives for snacks. He asked for an ice cream cone. And I was like, yeah, we'll get you <laughs> Who's an ice cream this cone. child? Yeah. I know he's really special, but that's what, those are like his favorite things. So I got him an ice cream cone. He, um, I put coconut milk ice cream in it. It's a gluten-free cone. I give it to him. I'm kind of doing stuff in the kitchen while he's kind of playing. And I see the ice cream cone on the um, coffee table. And I was like, buddy, are you going to finish the ice cream cone? And he goes, you can eat the cone. And I was like, yeah, oh. you, that's kind of the point. Then, wow. then I looked a couple minutes later and he's eating it from the bottom. Oh my <laughs> so, gosh, this is nuts. You, I was like, this did, is my child. What, exactly. <laughs> what kind of childhood is this? That's, that's a funny story. That's, that's, that's insane. That is insane. Yeah. But, you know, if we normalize for our kids seaweed and olives for snacks as easily as we're normalizing things like Doritos and, you know, Mountain Dew, you know, you know, I think it's, it's a okay for kids to be, you know, emulating their parents to be exposed to different kinds of foods. Um, He eats plenty of like kid stuff and we're not super religious about, you know, if he goes to a friend's house and they have pizza, he eats the pizza and that's cool. But for the most part, yeah, he eats what we eat. I wonder if, you know, once he hits his teens, the the rebellion will be what type of foods he'll be eating, you know? Probably. Yeah. Probably. I did. I'm going to have that fruit roll up. I'm going to have it. He probably will. And that's going to have to be okay. Right. He'll cross that bridge. Yeah. Um, we will cross that bridge. Yeah. Yeah. When it gets there, um, it's start wrapping it up. I wanted to just ask you, 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 there's a certain serenity around you. There's a certain peace um, that you, you sort of, that you embody and that you live by. And I mean, a, just from sharing your, your personal story um, to the masses, you know, online and uh, anything that I, I, I sort of opened up with is, is sort of out there and you've owned that. And I think that there's so much power around that. And that trans, transfers over to how you run your business as well. I, I actually read something that how you give off days for, for your employees to have mental health days, you know, just for them to take a break and to chill. And that's something I never really heard of in, in, in companies, you know, in, in, in companies like that. So how, what, I guess my question is, is uh, A, is just admiration, but B is like, 
how does one get to a place where you know there's there's some perhaps fear and uh, anxiety around self-discovery how does one open up that you know quote unquote can of worms or that chapter in their life or to say like i want to have a deeper look into becoming a better person what are some like easy maybe two or three you know steps they can do now to to take care of their mental health and and their and their well-being I mean, first of all, therapy. I've done so much therapy. I've done mm. all the therapy, every modality you could imagine, everything from talk therapy to somatic therapy to energy work. Like, I've done it all. Um, and I'm wow. super grateful for all of it because I feel like it's allowed me to unpack some of my trauma, to challenge some of my own internal stories, to you know, call myself on my own BS. All of that has been incredibly important in my journey. And I actually love the idea of someone starting therapy before they need it for an issue, you know, go to right. a therapist and establish a relationship and start, you know, talking about your life and your history and where you are and maybe some of your goals so that if something, God forbid, does come up like a pandemic and you lose your job and, you know, someone and you, you love gets sick, you're then, you have an established relationship where you actually can you know, talk to, to people that you already know about your challenges. Uh, I've also done a lot of self-help work. So one of my favorite kind of modalities is Byron Katie. She's a, a practitioner of a process she's created called the work. And it's this kind of self-inquiry process that helps you tell the difference between your own stories around what's happening and what's actually happening. And she has one book in particular called Loving What Is. That is basically my Bible. It got me through my very public divorce and business split and many other circumstances. And so I've really leaned on her work and that internal work to kind of keep me going. And then I think the third thing is that, you know, learning how to set boundaries, whether that's boundaries in your own life around your own mental health or boundaries on behalf of your team for their mental health, recognizing that self-care is not selfish and really embracing ways that you can kind of pay yourself first in, in very small ways throughout the day. I'm not talking about taking two month long vacations and daily massages, but you know, what are some small actions you can take to really pay yourself first and make sure that your own cup is full? Those are all really worthy processes too. Tremendous. What's, uh, what's next for you uh, on, a, on a personal level, if you mind me asking, and also perhaps on a, on a Whole30 uh, company level, what's, what's cooking? Well, right now we're kind of still in the middle of responding to the pandemic and kind of, I feel like, you know, any company that had a plan for this year, just like ripped it up and threw it out because nobody knows what's going on. Um, right. Our main priority is always supporting the community. My, I have a podcast that I took some time off from this year due to health challenges, and that's going to be coming back in June. It's called Do The Thing, and I'm super excited for that. Uh, we're focusing a lot on our Whole30 certified coaching program. So we're, you know, we've got these coaches who are boots on the ground, in-person social support for anyone who wants to do a Whole30. And we're thinking about how we can better train them and connect them with community members who are deserving and, and want help with their Whole30 journey. So um, yeah, we've got some some fun stuff in the works. No books for me this year. I'm taking a year off from books though. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. Amazing. Yeah. That's incredible. Where can people uh, learn more about you and, and the work that you're up to? Where can they find you? Thank you. So everything Whole30 is just at Whole30, W-H-O-L-E and the number 30. So that's where you can find website, all of the, you know, the program is still free, all of our free resources, our forums, social media, newsletters. We've got so much free information for you there. And then I'm primarily on Instagram. You can find me at Melissa U. Amazing. Yeah. And I, I do have to say how incredible the community is. The moment I jumped on Instagram and said, Hey guys, this, I'm doing it. I'm committing it. 
right away, people just reached out to me, congratulating me, saying how much it'll be there for me and sending me tips. And what, and when I was frustrated with the mayonnaise and there, I got like 25 different types of mayonnaise uh, recommendations. So it's, it's really amazing to be a part of. And it's a really incredible community that you've built and started and you're part of. So thank you so much for your, your contribution and for showing up in the world that you do, how you they, do. They do show up. We have the most welcoming, encouraging, motivating, positive community on the whole internet. And I'm not at all surprised that they showed up for you like that. So it makes me so happy. Yes. Oh, and of course, the last, my last question is, it is the Great Day Podcast. Let me ask you, what is a great day for you? Ooh, a great day for me is one where I wake up and I do my morning routine, which happens every single day. I wake up, I make my bed, I take my cold shower, I do my workout, I do my meditation. And then any day where I feel like I get to serve my community in some small way, whether it's a podcast like this with you or an Instagram live or sharing a silly story on my feed about my duck, um, all of that <laughs> stuff is just so fun and so good for me. This idea that I get to connect with my community makes it a good day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, wishing you well, your family, and of course, uh, a lot of healing uh, in the world that we are in right now. So but thank you again for being a light. My pleasure, Mayor. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Have a great day. You too. You too.